1: Good morning. It's 8.30. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, we'll talk with the head of the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency on the severe weather that moved through the state last night and about what might lie ahead. Then panelists discuss what might Mississippi expect from a Donald Trump presidency.
0: Trump has not been a traditional conservative in the social sense. He's not run on the social conservative, cultural conservative issues that have animated the religious right. And his lifestyle does not seem to reflect the sort of lifestyle that has been valued and prioritized by the evangelical right over the last number of years.
1: Later, a health minute from Dr. Rick DeShazo on testosterone replacement in men and fighting high school dropout in Mississippi. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippians are starting the day after another rough night of stormy weather. Across the state, severe storms and tornadoes blew through starting in the late afternoon and continuing into this morning. There were widespread power outages in Calhoun County. Homes were damaged in Grenada, Scott, and Winston counties. And with us to talk about the weather and the damage across the state is Lee Smithson, Executive Director of the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency. Good morning, Lee. Good morning,
2: Karen. How are you today? I'm
1: fine. I'm I'm hoping that other people are fine today because it seems that Mississippi really got battered yesterday and overnight.
2: Well, we did, uh, Karen. We actually had, um, as you know, two days of of pretty rough weather that actually started uh, on Monday. Uh, Last night, the uh, predictions were that it was going to be a a particularly significant uh, uh, evening. uh, And we did see um, between 10 and 15 probable tornadoes. uh, The National Weather Service We'll have to go out today and do surveys to confirm that. But, How many
1: um, did you say? Because I know had, they had already confirmed six, and you're saying 10 and upwards? Well,
2: it could be 10 to 15. The wow. six that were previously confirmed was from the uh, Jackson National Weather Service, and the northern part of the state is covered by the Memphis National Weather Service. And so uh, we do know that uh, there was some significant um, winds up in Monroe County, Uh, Ittawamba County. So again, right now it's just pure speculation because we don't know whether it was tornadoes or straight line winds, but we do know right now that there are uh, nine counties uh, reporting uh, some type of damage. So uh, we, we'll, we'll have a good idea of how many actual tornadoes there were by around noon today, it,
1: hopefully. It, MEMA released, I think it was around in the 7 o'clock hour last night, some of the damage reported already, and that was from the afternoon. And then, of course, you went into the later hours, and there was still very strong storm activity. Um, how many, you had four counties listed initially. How many more counties do you know of right. that received damage? Um,
2: as of about 15 minutes ago, we're reporting, we've gotten Reports from nine counties that are reporting uh, uh, some type of damage from uh, mo- most of those are structural damage um, and, uh, no real good count on the number of homes damaged or destroyed we do know that in Winston County uh, we did confirm that a mobile home was destroyed. Fortunately, the family that was in that home took shelter before the storm came in, got in a storm shelter, so no injuries. And as it stands right now, Karen, we are not receiving any reports of any injuries throughout the state, which is very, very fortunate.
1: It is fortunate. We've heard of three deaths in Alabama this morning due to the same, the same uh, series of storms moving out of Mississippi. Were there or are there still roads closed because of limbs or trees down across them?
2: Yes, we've got uh, we're still d- doing a good roll up on on the roads closed, but we do know that there are multiple roads, uh, mainly secondary roads That are close, but even in the Jackson metropolitan area, we have Northside Drive that has a tree down on it. So even locally, and we had a a pretty significant little hail event in Rankin County uh, yesterday afternoon when the when the system first kicked off um, in, in in mid afternoon.
1: You know, I'm wondering because the storms were continuing and damage was happening as the storms were going. Does MEMA or or local uh, emergency agencies respond when the weather is still dangerous? Well, absolutely. And that's what we,
2: we, the, the, the local emergency management agencies and the law enforcement, they don't take unnecessary risks, but that's their jobs. And that's what, uh, you know, w- w- those guys are, are just just truly great at what they do uh, between the counties. Uh, the local law enforcement, and really when you get down to it, the, the the local power companies getting out in high winds to get the power back on. So, um, and, and I think that, that Mississippi leads the nation in really uh, the kind of dedication that we see in the emergency management community.
1: You know, we've talked about this before. People may be surprised that we had this severe weather at the end of November, but this is not an isolated incident, certainly.
2: No, and, and November has historically uh, our second busiest month uh, for tornadoes, and so I was keeping my fingers crossed that we would make it out. We almost got out of November, but uh, we had this outbreak. And the, the bad thing about November, too, Karen, is is the vast majority of tornadoes that occur in November occur at nighttime, and that makes it even more difficult for uh, for the public to, to to see. And so I think that the the, the media, uh, the local county emergency management agencies, and MEMA uh, did a very good job of ensuring that, that, that the public was, was very weather aware. And I truly believe that that, uh, that shows in the fact that we didn't have even any injuries.
1: Lee Smithson is executive director of the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency. Thanks so much, Lee.
2: Oh, it's my pleasure.
1: Up next, panelists discuss what might Mississippi expect from a Donald Trump presidency. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
3: Support for MPB comes from the Christmas by Candlelight Tour, December 2nd, with holiday decorations and entertainment at six historic Jackson sites, starting at the Mississippi State Capitol. Complimentary transportation between sites available. Details at mdah.ms.gov.
1: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. What will a Donald Trump presidency mean for Mississippi? Some leaders talked about the issue in a forum last night in Jackson. The forum was sponsored by the Mississippi Humanities Council as part of its series Ideas on Tap. Republican strategist Austin Barber was on the panel. He tells the audience Trump's victory proves the most recent presidential election was all about change.
3: Listen, this, this election um, was beyond interesting. Uh, I had someone who I trust who said, if Trump wins, and he told me this in September, if Trump wins, we need to throw everything away that we've ever been taught about elections. And that's exactly what happened. Um, For me, this journey started in 2015, Um, I ran Rick Perry Super PAC for president, of course the former governor, longest serving governor in, in the state of Texas history. He got out of the race and went to Jeb Bush's campaign. I was very, you know, very close to both those guys. Thought the world of them. And, and look, I, I have admitted on Twitter and to friends, I was as wrong about Donald Trump as anybody. I didn't think Donald Trump would make it to the Iowa caucus. I swear I didn't. Uh, and I and I said so, but I was wrong. And I think there are a lot of Republicans who just who who misread him from so many different ways. We had no idea how he was connecting with voters. Um and we had no idea of the sort of passion that was out there for change. And this was a change election. I mean, you know, Barack Obama uh, hoping change in 2008 was a wonderful slogan for him. It was a great catchphrase, and it was the right timing for him. There was so much unpopularity with with Bush 43, and it worked well. But here we have this guy who's not a politician, who's more of a TV star, um, quasi businessman who just brought forth something that you know we'd never seen before. But you asked about what does this mean for Republican politics. For Republican politics moving forward, I don't know what it means, because I don't know that we'll ever see another, just like I'm not sure we'll ever see someone as dynamic as Barack Obama was as a speaker, um, or at least in my lifetime, I don't think we'll ever see a, a candidate quite like Donald Trump again. I mean, you just, I mean, here's a guy who truly says what he thinks. I mean, yeah, yeah, he does on Twitter, but he did in front of 25,000 people in every, you know, every place that he went. Um, And that was, that was very refreshing to people. Um, I think with the issue, you know, the story that came out from the uh, Hollywood Access or whatever it was, the behind the scenes where he said the very vulgar uh, comments, I told people, I said, you know, if he would, if that would have come out in the primary, he still would have been our nominee. Because... Republican primary voters, and I think that number expanded a lot, wanted something different. They didn't want a successful governor from Florida. They didn't want a successful governor from Texas or from Wisconsin or a former senator or whomever. That's not what they wanted. They wanted something completely different. They were upset with Barack Obama. They thought he had taken the country left. Um, They just, they wanted something different. But I think why Donald Trump won is four states Ohio, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan. He ran, and he was so smart about this, and just quite frankly, didn't get enough credit for this during uh, the election. He ran a populist economic campaign in those states. I mean, go look at the numbers in Ohio and Pennsylvania. And listen, African American voters in both of those two states, Pennsylvania and Ohio, they came out in the same numbers in Philadelphia in Cleveland at, for Hillary as they did for uh, Barack Obama. Now, they did not in Detroit and they did not in Milwaukee in Wisconsin and Michigan. But in those two states specifically, he ran this, which is crazy, I mean, this kind of quasi-anti-trade campaign for Republicans. That's, I mean, we're free traders. I, I look at Brian Perry up there. He's a friend of mine. He's shaking his head. We're, we're sort of free trade people. But, you know, the, the sort of Republican vote that went for him, they were they were a different type voter than we've seen in the past.
1: Republican strategist Austin Barber, Millsaps College political science professor Kenneth Townsend was on the panel too. He tells MPB's Desiree Frazier there is legitimate concern about how Trump will govern.
0: I think that part of the reason is that we just don't know exactly. I think a lot of people are still uncertain what a Trump presidency is going to mean for the nation in general. And to to be more specific about what that's going to mean for the state of Mississippi is an even harder guess to, to make. So I think that's part of what was going on. I also think that, well, that, that's probably the, the simplest way to answer, that, that we just don't know. And so we're focused more on the national broader concerns at this early stage. And maybe in a few more months from now, we'll have a little bit better sense what it means for states like Mississippi. Can you give us an idea, as a political scientist, what you are seeing in terms of the picks uh, so far for the administration, what it may mean for Mississippi? Yeah, I think that um, it's a mix of sort of mainstream-ish Republicans and more hardline, right, Republicans. And, um, you know, if, for example, Obamacare is done away with, the new head of HHS, um, Price, former Congressman Price, is a strong proponent of doing away with Obamacare. And if that happens, then a number of Mississippians are going to be negatively affected if nothing else is put in its place. And that also means that it really takes off the table the possibility of expanding Medicaid, which is what a lot of people in Mississippi had hoped might be the case, since we have so many people still uninsured in the state of Mississippi. So that's one concrete issue that I think is, um, is on the cards and has some people concerned. In terms of evangelicals, uh, that was something that was brought out that we really haven't heard much about in terms of uh, Trump's coalescing with that group. He really didn't talk about issues like abortion, which I think was discussed up there, and uh, gay marriage and that kind of thing. So what does that mean for Mississippi, where you have a lot of folks who are very uh, traditional and conservative in those aspects? Yeah, I think that's going to be interesting because, as you noted, Trump has not been a traditional conservative in the social sense. He's not run on the social conservative, cultural conservative issues that have animated the religious right over the last number of years. And his lifestyle does not seem to reflect the sort of lifestyle that has been valued and prioritized by the evangelical right over the last number of years. What are you speaking to specifically? In terms of his lifestyle I mean he's he's got a big playboy sign hanging up in his yard he's or in his um, office he has um, starred in softcore pornography films these are not the kinds of things that he's been married several times and has kind of bragged about infidelities and you know these are the sorts of things that evangelicals don't tend to celebrate, but evangelicals still voted for him by 80 percent to 16 percent and about four percent going other.
1: Millsap's College political science professor Kenneth Townsend with MPB's Desiree Frazier at a forum on what a Trump presidency will mean for Mississippi. Up next, a health minute from Dr. Rick DeShazo on testosterone replacement in men. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
4: I'm Jeremy Hobson. Donald Trump's transition team has pledged to dismantle the Dodd-Frank financial reform law. We'll hear from Sheila Baer, the former head of the FDIC.
3: There's been a tremendous amount of industry lobbying against these rules, and sometimes Congress uh, weighs in uh, and puts pressure on the regulators uh, to back down, and those, those are not helpful things.
4: That's next time on Here and Now.
5: Today at noon on MVB Think Radio.
3: The Health Minute is underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Information on how to make good health a family affair is available at bcbsms.com. Live healthy, live blue.
4: Hi, I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo, professor of medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and this is a Southern Remedy Health Minute. Most of the guys I see in my clinic who are over 65 years of age are wanting to know about Testosterone. Especially if they have symptoms of sexual dysfunction or trouble walking or low vitality. We know already that supplementation of testosterone is associated with an increased risk of cardiovascular disease to include heart attacks and strokes and a worsening of high blood pressure. In this study, men who did not have cardiovascular disease but had symptoms of sexual dysfunction were treated with testosterone to get their levels into the normal range after they were found to be low. Well, here's the news. In symptomatic older men raising testosterone for one year had moderate benefit for sexual function and some benefit for mood, but no benefit for walking distance or vitality. So what's the bottom line? The bottom line is testosterone therapy for men over 65 has to be individualized. So it's best to talk to your primary care doctor about this before starting it. For more health tips and medical information, listen for Southern Remedy each weekday at 11, where the doctors are always in. For MPB Think Radio, I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo. I'm Jeremy Hobson. Donald Trump's transition team has pledged to dismantle the Dodd-Frank financial reform law. We'll hear from Sheila Baer, the former head of the FDIC.
3: There's been a tremendous amount of industry lobbying against these rules. And sometimes Congress uh, weighs in uh, and puts pressure on the regulators uh, to back down. And those those are not helpful things.
4: That's next time on Here and Now.
5: Today at noon
4: on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. MPB Think
5: Radio loves to help with lots of subjects, but between 9 and 10 on Wednesday mornings, we focus on your nest. On Fix It 101, we want to help you make your place safer, quieter, drier, brighter, bigger, cooler, cozier, or the opposite of any of those things, depending on your preference. The pros are Delmore of Affordable Solutions 601 and Jeff Sammons of Houseworks. I'm the amateur and host, Jason Klein. So go ahead and ask away. Fix It 101 is Wednesdays at 9 on MPB Think Radio.
1: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Mississippi has one of the highest dropout rates in the nation. Only about 75% of high school students graduate in the state. That's according to kidsdata.org. The dropout rate is even higher in some areas, especially among African-American students. A forum this evening called Motivation to Graduation will examine the issue. Kim Benton is chief academic officer for the State Department of Education and will be participating in the forum. She tells MPB's Mark Rigsby the state's dropout rate is improving, but there's still work to do.
6: Our dropout rate is at an all-time low right now. We have 11.8% of our children for the last year that has were recorded as dropouts for the state, as compared to our graduates, which are at an all-time high of 80.8%.
5: What are we doing here in Mississippi to improve it?
6: We are doing a number of things. Um, we have a... K-12 Counseling initiative that we've put in place to make sure that all of our counselors as we transition from elementary, middle to high school are all speaking in one voice and focused on common efforts to make sure that no child falls through the cracks, that they have all of the academic supports, the social supports that are necessary for them to be successful. That's one of our efforts. Um, We are expanding our career programming to make sure that we're really tapping into the interest of the children. And that's one of our key initiatives to really strengthen our college and career and post-secondary readiness. Uh, We're opening up opportunities for children in terms of advanced learning, you know, so that they are really stretching and reaching. Because sometimes that's a, a misperception that children, you know, it's only your children that are lagging behind that might succumb to dropout. There are a number of factors that might influence that, and we don't need to forget that and make sure that all of our children are challenged along the way.
5: Is there a link between early childhood development and the dropout rate?
6: Absolutely. The research is clear that children that start early and have that strong foundation are more equipped for success as they as they matriculate through their, their time in school. They just have that stronger system of supports. And I think from what I've seen as a, a former elementary principal that had an early childhood program, you saw more engagement of parents. I mean, there were a lot of uh, qualitative pieces that come in to play there just by starting early with the children and and having that continuum in place. And good attendance. I mean, I I can't emphasize enough the importance of coming to school every day and that foundation is set early. We've done a study with Mississippi State University last year and we found the number of chronic absences quite alarming. And calling that out, shining the spotlight on it, Being transparent leads to positive actions taken to improve.
5: What kind of pressures lead kids to drop out?
6: You know, I think the number of pressures are just are just countless, and it varies from individual to individual. It can be, truly, that a child gets behind academically, but there are also factors that are related to poverty, the social structure at home, you know, the support systems that are in place that could impact that, life events that happen, you know, that children get caught up in. I think the key is for as educators and communities to come together to look at all of our resources collectively. What? What we can do at the school, what we can do with our faith-based groups, what our social groups and uh, civic organizations can do to support our children, just kind of linking all those pieces up to ensure that our students have that support system in place, the wraparound services, if you will.
5: And finally, mm-hmm. what kind of ideas are you going to bring to the table at
3: tonight's forum?
6: I'll be sharing some of the things that I've shared with you now, That initiatives and efforts that the Department of Education has embarked upon for the past 12 to 18 months and how we're working really hand in glove with our local communities and districts to ensure that our children are able to be successful in school and that they stay in
1: school. MPB's Mark Rigsby with Kim Benton of the State Department of Education on high school dropout in Mississippi. The forum tonight called Motivation to Graduation will be held in the auditorium here at MPB starting at 530. It is free and open to the public. Coming up after Mississippi Edition it's Fix It 101, Everyday Tech and Southern Remedy. And remember, if you want to catch the show outside the broadcast, just search for Mississippi Edition in your favorite podcasting app and listen whenever you like. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition, only on MPB Think Radio.
4: I'm Jeremy Hobson. Donald Trump's transition team has pledged to dismantle the Dodd-Frank financial reform law. We'll hear from Sheila Baer, the former head of the FDIC. There's been a tremendous
3: amount of industry lobbying against these rules, and sometimes Congress uh, weighs in uh, and puts pressure on the regulators uh, to back down, and those, those are not helpful things.
5: That's next time on Here and Now, today at noon on MVB Think Radio.
6: Would you like to show your appreciation for the things in life you're thankful for? One way is to support MPB by donating a car. Running or not, your contribution will benefit our statewide mission, and you can get rid of an unwanted item. The donation is tax-deductible. To donate or just to learn more, go to mpbonline.org. At our website, you can find details including tax benefits and same-day service.
5: MPB Think Radio loves to help with lots of subjects, but between 9 and 10 on Wednesday mornings, we focus on your nest. On Fix It 101, we want to help you make your place safer, quieter, drier, brighter, bigger, cooler, cozier, or the opposite of any of those things, depending on your preference. The pros are Moore of Affordable Solutions 601 and Jeff Sammons of Houseworks. I'm the amateur and host, Jason Klein. So go ahead and ask away. Fix It 101 is Wednesdays at 9 on MPB Think Radio. MPB Radio's local programs are available now as podcasts. Sure, you love your MPB mobile app. It streams your favorite program anytime you like. But when streaming's not the thing, say in flight or driving on the Natchez Trace, download your favorite podcast and you've got it in your pocket. Available on iTunes or on any podcast app. Grab your local MPB podcast now.
3: Support for MPB comes from the Old Capitol Museum Statehood Day, Thursday, December 9th, featuring an address by the First Lady of Mississippi, Deborah Bryant, at noon with a reception to follow. Details at oldcapitalmuseum.com or 601 576 6920.
4: It's Marketplace.